Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, January 26, 2024. Good morning and uh, welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air, the Memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus. Happy Friday. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning, wherever you may be across our great nation and beyond here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Yesterday, we celebrated the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, and today we honor uh, Saints Timothy and Titus, two of Paul's companions and disciples, who eventually would become two of the bishops of the Catholic Church in its earliest days. Tomorrow is also International Holocaust Remembrance Day, uh, the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz uh, concentration camp in 1945, and that is weekly general audience. Uh, Pope Francis remembered this day as our Rome correspondent Ashley Narona reports. And at the end of his catechesis today, he highlighted that International Holocaust Remembrance Day is coming up on the 27th of January. And he spoke about the importance of remembering and condemning the extermination of Jews and people of other faiths who were also killed for their faith during that time. He said hatred and violence can never be justified and again spoke a phrase that we've heard from him many times, only people in the weapons and arms industry win in wars, John. And uh, Pope Francis uh, also appealed for an end to the wars, specifically in Ukraine and the humanitarian crisis that is going on in Gaza as well. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are uh, making headlines here this hour on this Friday morning? Well, once again, uh, at the border in Texas specifically, Governor Greg Abbott, they're uh, kind of defying federal orders to uh, let federal agents in to remove some of the razor wire that's been put up in an effort to keep migrants out. Uh, he says it's his job, as any state has the right, to defend their border. Uh, the Supreme Court has disagreed with that, but uh, all but one of the Republican governors, and that's over two dozen around the country, have agreed in the statement with Abbott that states have a right to defend their borders, and uh, some sending some of their National Guard troops, including Florida, and uh, candidate for president, Donald Trump, recommending that all do the same to help support Texas. And as we talked about uh, last hour um, with uh, Logan Church, the political director of Catholic Vote, uh, this is a big issue. Uh, this issue of immigration is on the minds of, of so many Americans, uh, not just in Texas. It's become an American issue, Glenn. Yeah, it certainly has. It shows in polling to be, uh, at least in, in some cases, a little more important for voters than the economy. Even so, expect to hear a lot about that. That's something uh, Mr. Trump made a really big issue in uh, in 2016 on his uh, first path to the White House, and it's something we need to kind of wrestle with as Catholics a little bit in terms of uh, uh, Scripture admonishing us to 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 welcome. Uh, uh, the foreigner into our lands as well, and hopefully that can be done in an orderly fashion. Absolutely. And uh, what's your take on uh, the fact that 25 uh, Republican governors are all with uh, Governor Abbott of Texas? 
Yeah, they're uh, seeing this as a popular political issue as well to take a stand on. Uh, as uh, our, our guest Logan mentioned in the last hour with your, your question, uh, it might not be entirely altruistic on the Democrat side to let these poor people into the U.S. as much as try and shape some future Democratic voters. And, uh, of course, as partisan as uh, the world of politics is now, what one side wants, the other doesn't. And uh, so uh, the things are lining up on this issue along party lines like so many other issues, John. And uh, the issue of the death penalty in the news uh, this morning, obviously, this is a controversial issue. Uh, Convicted murderer Kenneth Eugene Smith, convicted for murder, a murder for hire plot in 1988, was put to death in Alabama last night. And uh, he was to be put to death previously in 2022. They uh, attempted but couldn't uh, finish the procedure, basically, in time, which started about 10 p.m. And they made it to the next day, and uh, that was past the day he was to be executed. So... He uh, got a, a stay on technicalities there, but uh, the Supreme Court, uh, along with the Circuit Court of Appeals, the 11th Circuit, before that, uh, refused to issue a stay. So they tried something new, uh, nitrogen gas. And the, the U.N. even took note of that, uh, calling that possibly torture. Uh, and his lawyer arguing that might be a cruel and unusual punishment. But uh, now the, the deed is done. And this is obviously something that that the church uh, has addressed and has a teaching about. And if you go to the catechism of the Catholic Church, you can get a whole lot more uh, on uh, the death penalty uh, and what the church actually uh, teaches, Glenn. Yeah, Pope Francis saying this is really not necessary anymore. There might have been a time where we needed to to really make sure the bad guys could not cause any more harm. But it's seen uh, in modern society now that uh, we have places uh, and ways to, to lock people up. And there's a lot of debate over deterrence as well. Okay. It's uh, Friday, the weekend right around the corner. In fact, some folks probably are starting their weekend a little early, but uh, football is uh, on tap this weekend of the NFL variety uh, with uh, the uh, uh, potential teams uh, vying to get into Super Bowl 58, uh, ready to go. The final four of the NFL is all set, Glenn. That's right. Sunday afternoon in Baltimore, another episode of the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the uh, conference finals. It'll be the sixth year in a row trying for another another title. And uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens trying to stop that. The night game finds those spunky Detroit Lions uh, trying to plow their way uh, through the NFC. And uh, they'll be playing at San Francisco Sunday night for uh, their first ever bid in the Super Bowl. Yes, they've never been in a Super Bowl. In fact, the last time that the Lions won the NFL championship back in 1957, there wasn't a Super Bowl. So that was just the National Football League at the at the time. There was no conference per se. So we have the two big conference championships. By the end of Sunday, we will know who is headed to Super Bowl 58. Got any predictions there, John? Um, well, you know, I don't have anything uh, at stake in, in this uh, pony race, uh, but, you know, I just want to see some good games. Uh, you know, it would not surprise me uh, to, to see the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs uh, go back uh, to the Super Bowl. You know, for what they have done uh, to be in s- six straight championship games is, uh, is pretty impressive. Certainly is, and uh, I'm willing to give my picks. Again, uh, nothing riding on this, but uh, I, I would... Uh, I would guess that it'll be Kansas City versus San Francisco. 
yeah, the uh, 49ers just look so, so strong. But, you know, that's why they play the game. You know, you just never know. Uh, you know, things can happen, as you well know. That's why they play on the field. It's not what the sports writers or the pundits say. You know, you still got to play the game. And so I'm sure that the, the Lions uh, will give a, a tremendous effort. And uh, we, we should see a really good game between uh, Lions and 49ers. Yeah, just like elections, you you got to have them. That's the game to be played. Uh, some like to, to call the result a little bit early, but uh, generally, uh, <laughs> note to the RNC, uh, some would like to see the game played. But, okay, uh, okay I got to go. tell you, before we talk about Super Bowl 58, uh, I want to remember Super Bowl 20 uh, real briefly here. Uh, when I look at the date of January 26, I could never forget uh, January 26, 1986, Super Bowl 20, as the Chicago Bay Bears, uh, Mike Ditka, Walter Payton, Jim McMahon and company uh, routed the New England Patriots 46-10 to 10 in uh, the only Super Bowl I've ever seen here uh, as, a, as a Chicago uh, football fan, Glenn. Yeah, big game for the Bears. Uh, they, you know, they had... Quite a few characters. I mean, they had uh, Walter Payton still uh, still making it happen. Sweetness. But uh, when you when you put uh, Refrigerator Perry in the backfield on occasion, uh, that was a force to be reckoned with. And of course, uh, Mr. Headband himself, <laughs> the punky QB, and how about Doc Coach? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Those were characters. It definitely. You know, that was an, a, a team for the ages, and uh, one that really captured the attention of, of our of our nation. You know, I haven't really yeah. noticed uh, many Super Bowl or even just football teams putting together a music video that spanned decades <laughs> of entertainment like this one. Not yeah, to see uh, to see John doing the Super Bowl shuffle in the studio is really something there. Yeah, I know. Is I I wasn't expecting him to do it, but you know what? Sometimes when you have that nostalgia for the song, you just you can't help yourself. You got to get up and shuffle. So, hey, thanks for that, John. That was great. Hey, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, it's it's always fun to to um, go back and uh, and remember uh, those uh, thrilling days of yesteryear, uh, guys. But uh, speaking of fun today, ironically, and uh, a perfect segue, National Fun at Work Day. That's right. Uh, I'm going to take a break here and let uh, Bree Tennis tell you about it. The day was created to let your imagination lead the way. Host a trivia contest, video chat with your dog, take a proper coffee break. In general, try to work a spot of fun into your day while still accomplishing work. Biospace.com says stepping away from your desk even just for 10 minutes brings renewed insight and increased efficiency to your job and a lot less burnout. So make some room for some fun in the workday. I'm Bree Tennis. You hear that, bosses? You're supposed to let us have some fun today. Oh, buddy. Well, let's see if, John, do you appreciate this? Let's see. Okay, you're lucky there's a glass there that a squirt gun didn't get through. But uh, maybe afterwards <laughs> I'll, I'll reload and see if we can... Yeah, have a little fun in the hallways here. Just away from the equipment, okay? I won't do it in the equipment. You know, we don't need a national <laughs> uh, fun at work day. We have fun every day, 365 here on Morning Air. Uh, food, fun, faith, and sports. Well, there you go. And you know what? There's a lot of, like, songs that we think, you know, whistle while you work, these fun songs that have come about to um, help us to enjoy and have fun while we're working. I don't know if you've ever um, whistled while you worked and cleaned a house with animals, but Snow White did. It looked fun. Maybe I'll try it one day. <laughs> Another type of music, sometimes they would have songs just to keep, you know, if you're like a mine worker or you're on the railroad or you're a seafarer, they would have <laughs> these sea shanties to keep people in rhythm so that the work would flow and they would get everything done. 
sea shanties are a big thing. I mean, and, and um, I mean, back then, I mean, I don't know. There's still, I, I don't know any uh, people in the Navy or anything. Are, there, are they still doing the sea shanties? If you're a, a sea wear fairman, please call in and let us know. We need the update on what's going on out there. But um, I mean, who doesn't like a good sea shanty? I mean, um, I don't I can't. to check with Matt Beardsley, our uh, engineer and former morning show producer there. Uh, I've seen pictures of him. Uh, looking about 12 years old in his uh, Navy uniform, but uh, he played drums in the Navy, so I know that uh, the Navy has drums. There you go. Yes, we have seen those uh, those images uh, of Matt. Uh, really, really funny stuff uh, for sure. So you know what? Here's the thought for the day on this uh, National Fun at Work Day. Smile because it increases your face value. Well, there you go. Hey, we always need that. That's for sure. All right. 1982 called. It wants its sales technique motivation <laughs> back here. But, uh, good job, John. All right. Uh, keep smiling, guys. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. As always, uh, first things first, we always start every single hour, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And uh, we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. So much to pray about as we uh, continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine, as our Holy Father has asked us to do. Peace in our nation that needs it so much in our divided nation. And peace in our church and in our families. And peace in our hearts, that peace that surpasses all understanding. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, Pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio and my hero, pray for us. And we wouldn't think of doing this show without uh, asking the Holy Spirit to help us. So we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we say, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's also remember the sacred heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, something that I always try to remind you of every single Friday. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ promised before he ascended into heaven that he would be with us always. Jesus is always present to us now and forever. He has no reason to change because he is God in the flesh. He cannot change. Even though we live in a world that is always changing and eventually will pass away, the Word made flesh. Jesus the Lord will never change, and he is with us always, as he promised through the Holy Spirit, in the sacraments, and in a special way, par excellence in the most holy Eucharist. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer uh, that Drew and Maggie pray every afternoon from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short pause when we come back. Uh, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead uh, to uh, this Sunday's gospel with our very own Glenn Leverin. So stay with us as uh, Morning Air continues here on this Friday on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Cheerfully together we can tidy up the place. So I'm a merry day. It won't take long.
morning air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you, and now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. A Gospel reading for this fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Time now to dive into our gospel reading for this Sunday. A closer look at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28 for the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're joined once again by Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada. Bishop Muggenberg, always great to have you along. And great to be here, Glenn. Well, here was our Lord. He was busy teaching in the synagogue where he impressed people by teaching with authority. And one of the maybe surprising things to many there were unclean spirits that needed to be and were cast out and something we can watch for in ourselves today. Very true. And this particular passage really occupies an important place in Mark's gospel. It is the very first work of public ministry that Jesus engages in. And so as his first work of public ministry, Jesus is actually making a statement, and he wants us to understand that statement. And so by going to a religious gathering, to perform his first um, exorcism, Jesus is telling us that he wants to begin his work of conversion and repentance among us who claim to be members of his body, among us who claim to be people of faith, because uh, we cannot be effective disciples or missionaries to others until we ourselves confront the presence of sin and temptation that dwells within us, and even that presence of sin with which we have become complacent. Folks that are called by the Lord to do his work, maybe in a more intense way, whether it be uh, as a member of the clergy, as it be religious life, professional church workers or people who just are in the building a lot. Uh, It's one of the things that's a a temptation to fall into. Let's take a a minute to, to look at some of these different spiritual sins that we have to be on guard against. Sure. And St. John of the Cross gives us a great list of, you know, how um, a spiritual people or religious people can find themselves actually cloaking the presence of sin in, in otherwise um, religious garb, to use that expression. So uh, l- let's take a look at St. John's list in particular. Well, that sounds good. And, and first off is, is pride, that kind of holier-than-thou thing that uh, many, religious or not, are, are well aware of. 
Yeah, but it especially affects religious people when they begin to look down on others and uh, they begin to criticize others, you know, for, for not doing the same things that they themselves are doing. Now, it's one thing to encourage others and to invite others, but whenever we find ourselves puffing up our own, you know, pride and sense of holiness simply because we're comparing ourselves with others and having disdain for others, we're actually giving in to one of the most insidious of the uh, spiritual vices, and that is the sin of spiritual pride. So we need to watch out for that better-than-thou attitude because, um, you know, as the saying goes, um, pride cometh before the fall. And we do notice in a church that's a bit of a big tent and allows for slight differences in, in practices that some will speak out saying, well, I know the other way is still licit or legal, but I prefer this way, and you really ought to do it this way too. Can that be one of those uh, avenues toward pride? Well, it, it can whenever we, we become insistent that other people follow us, rather than saying, you know what, both of us need to follow Jesus. And um, Jesus' way is always going to be more perfect than either of our individual ways or any human way. And also, Jesus, you know, is far more merciful and accommodating um, than than we can be for one another. And so uh, having that attitude that keeps our attention focused on Christ rather than insisting that others do something the way that we do it, because that's how we do it only, um, that, that is an important um, safeguard against giving in to that temptation. Next might make us feel a little bad if we stumble across a really good Catholic bookstore or gift store with a lot of cool stuff in there, uh, but even more so maybe trying to overburden ultimately ourselves with too many spiritual activities even. And St. John called that the spiritual vice of avarice, or avarice in the spiritual life. You know, sometimes uh, we think that by having a lot of religious things around us, that somehow that makes us a religious person. And it's that tendency to gather more and more religious stuff, while at the same time deluding ourselves into thinking that that is leading us in itself into deeper and deeper spirituality and communion with God. Um, Just because we may um, accumulate a lot of spiritual things, whether it be our library or religious images or, you know, even uh, religious jewelry that people wear, that that is not in itself a reflection of our faith, and we can never allow it to substitute for our faith. But whenever we do find a certain reward in that mere act of accumulation, then that is leading us into spiritual avarice. Next on the list, kind of complicated, spiritual lust. So spiritual lust is a fascinating um, vice that St. John of the Cross describes. And basically, spiritual lust is whenever we pursue spiritual consolation for its own sake. And in doing so, we are actually pursuing the gifts of the Creator rather than the Creator Himself. The reality is that God oftentimes tries to help us overcome that um, natural tendency for spiritual lust, and the Lord does it by withholding the gift of his consolation in the hope that we will persevere in seeking communion with him through prayer nonetheless. And so it's especially in times of dryness within our prayer that we have to um, really have that strength of will, that perseverance of faith to to continue 
in our uh, prayer with the Lord, despite the fact that we're not experiencing the spiritual consolations. And that is what will help us to overcome that tendency towards a spiritual lust. Next on the list, as we continue looking at spiritual sins here with uh, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada, in a time uh, in our society where anger is almost celebrated as is the way that we, we each have to pick a side and then be angry at the other side at all times and in all places over all things, let's look at anger. Yeah, that is a very good description of our current society, by the way, and a very unfortunate description. But it really does capture a lot of um, what we esteem uh, in our in our current uh, values. So anger is that experience that we can have whenever um, we immediately um, become contentious with other people, uh, you know, and use our faith as a means of that contention uh, rather than being a source of communion and reconciliation and expression of love. Um, The reality is that, that oftentimes, you know, anger can be born out of a perceived injustice. Uh, whatever that injustice is. And some people will even say that anger is that quality within us that preserves the social good for others. But whenever we find ourselves allowing um, anger to um, begin uh, to be part of our spiritual life, especially in regards to other people, then we're actually using our faith as as a wet towel. Um, for others and as a weapon for others. And so Jesus never wants that to happen. You know, if we are to be angry, we are to be angry at sin, but not at the sinner. And there's a difference between those two. You know, um, we can very much seek a person's conversion while we oppose what they're doing. And, uh, And when we do that, then we're always loving the individual while at the same time resisting the injustice of the sin. So Jesus wants us to overcome our anger, and that's why he gives us the gospel value of sadness and also of um, accompanying others in their need for repentance, rather than simply trying to punish them in some way as an expression of our anger. Whether it be all the activities in our Sunday Bulletin or even the list of fine things that Relevant Radio promotes, we got to watch out for spiritual gluttony. And this is very similar to spiritual lust, but spiritual gluttony is whenever we find ourselves striving um, for more and more spiritual experiences rather than for a more profound spiritual purity. And and that may strike us as a strange contrast, but it's a very real experience, and St. John of the Cross knew it, you know, even from people of his time. The reality is that we can find ourselves just on this constant quest for one experience after the other. Um, but if those experiences become a form of religious entertainment, then then we have really lost the very purpose of faith itself. Um, our faith is not for the purpose of, you know, giving us a diversion from ordinary life. Our faith is meant to lead us ever more deeply um, into an encounter with Christ and others in such a way that our lives are transformed by that, and that we become ever more profoundly spiritual people who are conformed to the person of Jesus. Um, Seeking out experiences just for the sake of experience can actually delude us into thinking that we're becoming spiritual when we're not. Do we feel joy when we think about the spiritual growth of others, or if not, are we falling into spiritual envy? Spiritual envy is also one of the most destructive of those vices um, for people of faith. Anytime that we find ourselves um, being sad, 
because of another person's growth of faith, we're giving in to spiritual envy. And it always comes when we find ourselves comparing ourselves with other people in some way or another. You know, comparison is is deadly for the spiritual life. Um, it, it either makes us have a, have a disordinate pride and arrogance and a spirit of condemnation, or it actually fills us with that kind of sadness um, when others are, are, you know, experiencing profound moments of faith or grace, and we ourselves are not. Um, the key to overcoming spiritual envy is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus so that he alone is the model for our lives as disciples. And if we do that, then our spiritual envy uh, hopefully will be transformed into a humility and into a real desire um, to address those areas of our life that are in need of greater confirmation to Christ. And Bishop Muggenberg, we don't want to be lazy in our spiritual life, so we'll uh, squeeze in our last one here, (laughs) taking a look at spiritual sloth. Spiritual sloth. So there's a reason why, you know, it, it, it takes a whole lifetime to be a disciple. Um, sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking that, you know, we are going to have our lives perfected uh, by the end of Lent or by the end of Advent or by, you know, next year we're going to overcome all our sins and we're going to be living saints. We need to be real about it. And the reality is that becoming a disciple of Jesus is a lifelong process. And if we're not prepared for that, then we're going to become frustrated because it takes perseverance. And we have to, you know, stay in there um, and not give up because, you know, we experience moments of setback or failure. A person who gives into spiritual sloth is someone who actually gives up um, on the spiritual life and on their discipleship because it takes so much work, it takes attention, it takes constant cooperation with God's grace. And that spiritual sloth is that temptation to feel like, you know, it isn't worth the effort and, and that we're just going to give up in the face of the fact that it is going to be a lifelong perseverance in order to grow in the fullness of holiness. So we need to watch out for that temptation. That is a spiritual sloth. And again, it will cause us to become complacent and to stop short on our own journey of faith. A very meaty reflection today. Good teaching and all of that, though. Thank you, as always, Bishop Muggenberg. If you'd be so kind as to wrap us up with your blessing this week. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God who helped people of faith to recognize and reject the presence of hidden evil within them, speak to our hearts this week so that we might have the courage to hear the gospel of Jesus, to apply it to our lives, and to readily pray to be set free from any unclean spirit with which we have become complacent. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And our thanks to Bishop Muggenberg and Glenn. We need to take a short break. When we come back, a digital media priest, Father David Michael Moses, the parochial vicar of Christ, the Good Shepherd Catholic Church in suburban Houston, will be with us to discuss what to do if you are dealing with anxiety. Father David Michael has some really useful advice on how we can address worries in our life. So stay with us as we are headed down the stretch on this Friday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverins 
on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app as we get ready for yet another weekend. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of our conversation here this morning, it's 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, here in this uh, final moments uh, of our uh, show this Friday, I want to talk about uh, a really difficult issue that affects millions of Americans and everyday Catholics as well. And that's anxiety. Do you feel anxious? Do you ever uh, feel like you're dealing with anxiety and you just uh, don't know how to how to cope with it? Uh, have you ever struggled with anxiety in the past and you were able to overcome it? Anxiety is uh, something that so many of us experience it throughout uh, of our lives in one form or another. It can be from financial and career woes uh, to concerns about our loved ones. So the question is, how can we deal with, how can we handle our anxiety? Listen to part of this YouTube video from our next guest, Father David Michael. Whenever you have anxiety, this might help. You know, most leaders try to equip their followers with lots of stuff to help them be successful. But in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his apostles to evangelize, and he tells them not to bring any food or any money or any extra clothes. What's up with that? Well, psychologists say that if someone struggles with anxiety, one of the best things they can do is change their what if questions. What if I don't get that job? What if I don't have enough money? What if I get sick? To change those what ifs to even ifs. Even if I don't get that job. Even if I don't have enough money. My health isn't good. I'm going to be okay. I think that's the lesson Jesus is teaching his apostles. And joining us live from Spring, Texas, in suburban Houston, is Father David Michael himself, the parochial vicar of Christ the Good Shepherd Catholic Church, with much more on dealing with anxiety. Father uh, David Michael is a popular young priest on a mission to share his faith through digital media. Good morning, uh, Father David Michael. Thank you so much uh, for, for being with us. It is great to be with you once again, I believe, the first time here in the new year. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It has been a little while, so it's good to be back with you. For sure. Uh, F F Father, this is a really you know, tough issue for so many folks, uh, the issue of uh, anxiety. Can, can you share with us, uh, uh, before you, you uh, get into uh, how we can deal with it, just your thoughts on anxiety, uh, you know, big picture. How, how big of a problem do you think it is these days, especially for young uh, people and, uh, and especially after uh, the recent pandemic? Yeah, no, I think it's it's huge, and it's something definitely worth talking about. Um, I think we're all touched by it in some way, you know, either personally going through it at different points in our lives or chronically, um, or at least we have, you know, friends or family members who feel that. And uh, there's a natural portion to it, right? You know, anxiety can be something that helps us to get things done, right? Like I was telling my mom just yesterday that, um, 
you know, if I didn't have any anxiety, I probably would never get a homily written. <laughs> I'd never show up for mass, you know. Sometimes anxiety can actually push us to do something good, right? If we didn't have any anxieties, we wouldn't ever do anything. Um, but it becomes a problem, right, when it starts to distract us from things that we need to be doing, when the anxiety actually starts to hold us back. And I was even thinking as you were introing, you know, the gospel for this Sunday, I've been praying about my homily, and, and St. Paul opens with brothers and sisters, I should like you to be free of anxieties. You know, even St. Paul recognizes that um, this kind of chronic anxiety is not helpful for us in our spiritual life um, or in our, you know, just human lives as we move through it. And you mentioned the pandemic, and I think I think you're exactly right. A lot of the um, the isolation that came along with that fed into anxiety, and also it was a reminder to us about the fragility of the world. That things can change so quickly that things that we took for granted can be pulled out from under us. And so um, for a lot of people, it did open up kind of a new, you know, point of anxiety that maybe has never really been worked through. Well, I want to open up our phone lines here because we have uh, Father David Michael for only uh, such a, a short t- time. Uh, if this is an issue that resonates in your heart, uh, if this is something that you've been dealing with, uh, uh, we're talking about anxiety or perhaps even depression. Um, if you want to share what you've done to deal with your anxiety and how important your Catholic faith has been in coping with anxiety, we we'd Love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Digital Media Priest uh, Father David Michael at 888-914-9149 if you want to be part of our conversation, 888-914-9149. Um, Father, uh, can you share with us a little bit uh, about um, the things that you talk about in that outstanding uh, YouTube uh, video uh, and, and what we can learn from our Lord Jesus uh, and his approach with his very own uh, apostles when he sent them out to, to evangelize. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm obviously not a, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, but I have been surprised as I moved through ministry, um, how often, you know, when I'll learn something about psychology, it fits right in with what the church has already revealed about how we are as human beings. And in some ways it's almost like, um, it seems like modern medicine is sort of catching up with where the church is, or even just understanding now what the church has always taught. You know, last week um, I was at a, a Norbertine Abbey up in California with a bunch of the canons there that these guys pray seven times a day. And um, it was funny, We about five of us priests were on retreat there, and we, uh, we decided we were going to be silent, silent with the monks until, until, breakfast, until lunch each day. Um, but five of us were really good friends that lasted until like breakfast the very first day. <laughs> it was hard for us not to be talking like they were. Um, but, you know, when I was there, I just realized that, you know, these guys are, they're waking up, they're praying almost immediately. They're praying seven times a day. A lot of people would look at that and say like, all oh, these poor guys are unhealthy, living away from the world and everything. When really like what's healthier, you know, these guys aren't using their phones. These guys are spending times in silence. They're not distracted. these guys are probably much happier actually than most of our general population. You know, the the world would be like, Oh my gosh, these guys are living so unnaturally when really they're probably living very, very naturally and happily compared to the rest of us. So I think just in a lot of different situations, um, what the church has revealed as being good for human beings, modern science is just catching up with. And I think a good example of that is kind of what I introed in that video. Um, Years back, my brother-in-law had suggested I read this book, um, kind of helping people just to be to be happy. It was a secular book, um, but one of the tips it gave, it said that whenever you have what-if questions, which I think 
maybe it's not across the board for everybody, but very often anxiety comes from these unknowns, like these what if questions, what if I lose my job? What if it's not enough money? What if I don't get good grades? And the book had said to, you know, really work on self-talk in changing those what ifs into even ifs. And when I read, it was actually the first gospel, uh, the first time I preached as a priest at, at my parish assignment. So it was very early on. I was reading that gospel and, um, you know, Jesus sends out his apostles. This is a pivotal part in their ministry. And he sends them out. He says, don't take any food. Don't take any money. Uh, don't take anything. And uh, I was kind of thinking maybe about a scene before that, you know, maybe at first Jesus had suggested y'all can take out a few, you know, take a little bit of money, take a little bit of food. You can take some extra sandals. Um, and maybe one of the apostles were like, hey, you know, Jesus, what, what if we run out of this stuff? And maybe Jesus kind of just hoping to increase their faith said, you know what, actually new plan. Don't take anything with you. Don't take anything. And, and you can trust me. And in a sense, I think he was helping them hands on real life to, to work through this idea that they need to be less concerned about the what ifs and instead be telling them, even if, you know, even if I don't have any money, even if I don't have any shoes, even if I don't have any food, I'm going to be okay because I've got Jesus. And, and ultimately, you know, somebody in the secular world can use that self-talk and maybe it's helpful for them to feel better about their anxiety. But for us, it's, it's backed by the reality that we have a God who has promised to care for us, that it is a deep act of faith to say, you know, even if I don't have this stuff, even if things don't go the way I expect, I'm going to be okay because the thing that I need the most I already have, which is the love of the Lord, which lasts forever and can't be taken away by any of these things. Um, and that really the Lord is giving the, the apostles a chance not just to preach the faith in that moment, but to actually live the faith. And, and he's offering all of us that chance to change those what ifs into even ifs. Um, and I'll tell you, I preached that homily for the first time four and a half years ago. And I still have people come up and say, you know, Father, you preached this homily. I remember it so clearly, and it really has helped me a lot. So, um, you know, obviously there is a place for uh, counseling, even at times there's certainly a place for medication if um, the anxiety becomes, you know, crippling. But hopefully there's some listeners out there that who find that, that little thought helpful, that little mental trick that helps us to experience really the fullness of the life the Lord wants to give us a little bit better um, with that positive self-talk. Fantastic uh, message, and uh, it's really about Jesus. It's about trusting in Jesus, and uh, I think that that is really uh, what uh, the spiritual life is all about. Uh, our number, once again, 888-914-9149. Uh, Ashley is joining us this morning from uh, Cranston, Rhode Island. Good morning, Ashley. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with uh, Father David Michael. Hi, Father David. Thank you for your talk. Um, I just want to share that I helped you with my anxiety by I go and sit with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in church, and I talk to him, and I sit in his presence. And um, I also go to daily Mass, receive the sacraments, confession. It helps a lot. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I love that. Keep doing that. I mean, these are the ways that we progress in the, in the spiritual life. Um, especially, you know, you mentioned confession, right? I think it's so psychologically healthy, obviously confession, the foundation of it is that it's forgiving our, our sins and it's the spiritual aspect. But the church is such a wonderfully human church that um, they know that it's healthy for us to walk into a room to actually speak our sins and then to be able to actually hear the priest say 
I absolve you, go in peace. That we actually get to audibly hear that, right? Which is such a huge refreshment. I've heard a psychologist say before, you know, how do I know what I think until I hear what I say? Because so often in our, in our minds, um, our thoughts can be so jumbled. We don't really know what we're thinking. We don't really know what's bothering us. We don't really know um, what maybe is in the darkness. And part of the gift of confession is that we get to go in and we get to uh, say it out loud. And then we go, oh, yeah, that was it. Like I have to actually articulate what was bothering me, what I did wrong. And that bringing it to the light, which as the Lord talks about a lot in the scripture, bringing it to the light, living in the light, being children of light, that that actually brings so much clarity and then ultimately peace um, to the sacrament of confession. Um, but certainly sitting with, I mean, what's better than sitting with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, um, either exposed in the tabernacle, um, and then of course daily Mass. I've got daily Mass in a few minutes, and just to hear the words of Scripture and receive the Eucharist is going to do more for us than we could, we could ever even know. Thanks so much, Ashley. Uh, great insights, and uh, especially uh, in this period of Eucharistic uh, revival that we're li- living in uh, with the uh, the Eucharistic Congress coming up uh, this summer uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, that is the answer. Jesus' uh, true presence in the Blessed Sacrament is, is the answer to everything. And, uh, you know, there's so many other things that we can do, uh, Father, like, you know, we can exercise. The, the endorphins that you get from working out can also be helpful, uh, a lot of other things, but it's not either or, it's uh, both and. Of course. Well, you know, kind of, you're kind of alluding to, and I think it's worth thinking about, you know, I grew up at a portion of the church following uh, John Paul II, especially, where we talked a lot about the theology of the body. And um, that, that, that teaching has been just life-changing, you know, for the church and for so many individuals. And, and often it's based around, like, human sexuality is when we talk about theology of the body. And I think that's definitely true. And that's essential to who we are as people. Um, but I think it doesn't have to stop there. You know, God wants to speak through every aspect of who we are as human beings, body and soul to bring about his, his kingdom in our lives. And so to your point, um, I think that exercising is a way to really live out the theology of the body that the Lord wants us to use our bodies. And when you do that, when you exercise, work out, go for a run, all of that, you get, um, you get, do get endorphins. The Lord is naturally trying to reward you for doing something that was good for you. Um, even I like to think, you know, a common, you know, we're coming up on Lent here in a few weeks, a very common penitential practice is the taking cold showers, you know, and no one likes to take cold showers. It's an absolute oh my goodness. to take a cold shower. And yet when you get out of a cold shower, there's often a rush of like endorphins and you feel a lot of peace and in some ways, it's the Lord naturally rewarding you um, for doing something hard, for overcoming the flesh. Um, and actually, you know, they, they said that dopamine levels go up a lot after uh, you take a cold shower. So um, all those things, I think, are natural ways the Lord wants to use the bodies that he gave us um, to bring about what is good for us, ultimately. Father, we have um, a, a little over a minute to go. Just your final thoughts on the importance of trusting in the Lord in dealing with anxiety. You know, trust in the Lord. We pray, Jesus, I trust in you every hour, every show, every day. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, just a, a, a thought on the importance of trust. Yeah, maybe just a final thought. Blessed Xavier Silos, he said, no, goes, no soul goes to hell because their sins were too great but because their trust was too small. And, and that for me is really the, the framework in which we should always be working, that um, trust is ultimately going to be how much we believe the Lord can do in our lives. 
um, how much we believe he can do for us. And so we pay, pay him a great compliment by giving the Lord these anxieties, um, by giving him all the difficulties, all the what ifs, and letting him turn those into evenness, strengthening our faith um, and bringing us ultimately closer to him in this life and ultimately into union with him in the world to come. And uh, we need to just keep praying if we're dealing with anxiety and uh, keep trusting in the Lord. You know, we celebrated the Feast of uh, uh, St. Paul the Apostle uh, yesterday, and uh, his uh, famous words, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, uh Trust. <laughs> Keep praying and trust. Thanks uh, so much uh, for your uh, insights uh, on this very difficult issue of anxiety, uh, Father. Can you give us your blessing? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be with you. Let us pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, give you thanks for this day, this moment, to refix our eyes on you. We ask that you will be with all of those listening, um, all those who might experience anxiety, great or small today, that they will have the grace to turn to you, um, to receive your mercy, to be enlivened and emboldened with the trust um, in your son, Jesus, and to begin again with the hope of the world and the good things to come. And may Almighty God bless and keep you always the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Uh, Father David Michael Moses, the parochial vicar of Christ the Good Shepherd Catholic Church in suburban Houston, Texas. And now it's time for another edition of Glen Story Corner. Our story today is called Sermons We See by Edgar Guest. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell me the way. The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsels confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put into action is what everybody needs. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stands behind just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. And all travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. First Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. As always, thanks so much, Glenn. Let's honor our Lord Jesus and his blessed mother Mary by praying and watching the family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Maggie at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Friday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, for Sarah, Gabby, Young Thomas, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you on the next Morning Air. Have a great weekend. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.